Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sensible Sunderland, your newest Sunderland podcast. Uh, you're joining us. Well, it's never dull, is it? You're joining us after a third straight defeat in a row. This time it was against Swansea City after what was, well, to be fair, a dire performance. Uh, I'm joined by Anth, Mark and Lee. Uh, we've got the four of us tonight, so rather than do any of the introductory, we're going to jump straight into it. Fellas, what did we think of the game? Well, I went into it thinking... If we start well, I thought the crowd will be up for it because, you know, it's the first post-Beal game. Um, if we start on the right foot, I think the result will take care of itself. But we just didn't. Everything I expected to see, like a bit of bite, a bit of like intensity, I thought they'd have a point to prove and they just didn't. Um, and we, we made a very amateur, actually probably poor Swansea side based on the recent results look very, very good, especially in that first half. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I, I was expecting them to be right up for it. And in, in fairness, I can't say any of the players sort of didn't try it. I do think they tried. I just think tactically they got it so badly wrong in that first half. Um, I'm going to try and resist as much as I can, like not really going in on 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 Dodzy, like. But I, I thought tactically was absolutely appalling, and it took them too long. I mean, obviously they scored the second goal, and he's still waiting another ten minutes or so before he swapped, he swapped them back four again. That tactically in that first half was absolutely abysmal. It was very much shutting the stable door after the horse had bolted, hadn't it? So Swansea were just picking out the spaces every every time they came forward. And even after the first call, he had the opportunity to switch it up then. He chose not to, persisted with it, and that's when we got caught again. And to be honest, they could have had three or four by the time he actually tweaked the formation. Swansea weren't anything particularly special, I don't think. They played a high pressing game and they exploited our weaknesses, which were very, you know, which was very, very evident. But I thought we made Swansea look a hell of a lot better than what they actually were. They looked like really 2009 Barcelona. They looked fantastic. But really, that was due to our diabolical tactics, really. And like Mark says, I don't want to go in on Dodds either because we've seen that what what he can produce from this Sunderland side, you know, when we beat West Brom and Leeds uh, before Michael Beale took over. And maybe, you know, you've got to allow Dodds some leeway. Maybe this was just a simple mistake of tactics. Let's see where we end up next week. Maybe maybe Dodds's sort of best um, best work might come against the teams that higher up the table because obviously, like you say, West Brom got a good result. Leeds was a good result. If you think back to when he was here your first time round, you know we got beat off. I think Doncaster and Cheltenham. Do you know what I mean? So maybe Swansea. I'm not saying it was a a, a bank to home win, but I think everyone went into that looking at the, the form Swansea were on and thinking, you know, we should really be picking up three points here. And I, I don't know. I don't want to say maybe we under like we underestimated or we didn't really put the the thought into the game plan as you know we should have done. But I just it just felt to me a bit like we went into it and we were a little bit too naive. Um, whereas I don't think we'll allow ourselves to do that against the the better teams. It's typical Sunderland though, isn't it? Like you see, Swansea. I think it was one winning six and five defeats in that time. Come to Sunderland and you fix your form in us. I, I couldn't understand the change of formation personally. I, I know that obviously they've been taught before the game. Obviously, we knew Clyde was out, but then Yellow, we expected him to be out as well. But he was fit, so it wasn't even like a, like you had to change it to a back to a back three or a back five, however you want to however you want to look at it. And obviously, we didn't. It, it took us a little bit of time after he did swap to a back four to, to sort of get back into the game because we we basically thrown it away at that point. Could have easily been five five nil at half time. 
I mean, I'm just talking of players that like you say you thought Helder wasn't going to be fit. I thought that was probably his worst game for us yesterday, actually. I thought he was... I mean, they were all caught lacking in that back four. It showed how desperately we missed Dan Ballard, I think. But Luke 9 obviously, a dreadful mistake for the second goal. He sort of... Well, he... he he said he pulled it back a little bit himself because obviously he he didn't he scored our only goal of the game. Um, I thought Seals probably his poorest game to us. The same for Try Hume as well. To be honest, I mean there was none of none of the players cover themselves in glory, and I don't want to pick out particular players for flack. But I think we'll get to that point. I mean, I'll be talking about Bellingham a little bit again. Uh, you might as well have a wet floor sign because it's the same amount of movement every time that lad gets the ball. He runs into a just. A, a closed door it produces nothing for me but you know I'll throw that out to the floor any players caught your eye particularly no I think like Mark said I I don't want to get into them too much either because I think we can all agree it was just down to the, the tactics yesterday tactically we just got it so wrong and I think it was it would have been hard for any player to play well because it just felt like nobody really knew what they were doing um, and like that, that that was our downfall yesterday. It it felt like a little bit of a hangover from Michael Bale in a sense for me. Like I was I was watching them play. I was thinking, what's the game plan here? What are they trying to do? Because we looked hopeless, and that Swansea high press didn't help anything. But we also didn't break that Swansea high press. I think Royson got in once and had a shot, which was sort of tip wide, and I, that was the only moment from the first half I can recall where we actually like looked like hurting Swansea. Mm-hmm. I say I don't want to bring Bale up and say it was a hangover because Dodsey's had all week to sort it out, and then he goes and changes the formation, and like I'm doing my best day to resist absolutely annihilating them, eh? like because so, that that first half was the worst worst half of football I've seen this season, but um like he's had all week eh, to, to sort it out. Why change the formation? Stick to back four, and just try and try and get us at them, which which basically we need to do with Swansea what exactly what Swansea did to us in that first half, and it would have been a comfortable game I think. It was just such a strange. Uh, set up like from from literally the back to the front, like having the wide players as the highest player, like the highest people up top. They couldn't get a ball out of them. They were trying to clip it in over the back. That wasn't working because we couldn't get in behind them. They had Job, who was meant to be like kind of able to hold the ball up, gave it away multiple times, didn't stick to him. It was just it was just such a queer like it was too it was an overcomplicated team selection and an overcomplicated setup. I just like like you say, why did Mundell get dropped? That's that would be my biggest thing from it. I just yeah. didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. We needed we needed somebody, especially knowing that we didn't have Clark. We needed somebody who was at least down one of the wings, going to be like quite direct and look to like get <clears> in the box. So and somebody take us up the pitch when we were struggling and stuff like that. Like it just we had none of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even work out if we were playing with wingers because because you had Rosen and. Um... Bar one minute they were wide, then the next one they were run through the middle. That's the thing they like, did. It was, but it was like a mess. They just kept on drifting in the middle. But again, that was that maybe not because I, I get why you're saying oh you didn't really need to change the formation. I get that, but whether it's an ego thing with him or whether he's kind of just thought right, okay, like this is my chance. I'm going to try and put my stamp on it. Because uh, if I know it's all ifs and buts, but if if we had one yesterday. People that have been like, "Oh, well done, Dodsey. You didn't. He wasn't scared to change it. Do you know what I mean? So you win some, you you lose some. Um, I'm not going to get too downtrodden with the performance because I just think it, it happens. Yeah, I think we have to just throw that result away and forget about it and try and give Dodds the benefit of the doubt. Like Mark said, it would be easy to go in and say, "Well, this was wrong, that was wrong, and the other." Let for, for me, it's a case of right. Let let that one slide and say how we get on next week. As for team selection next week. 
there's so many players you've got to pull out that side. And I look at the likes of Ashish and Chris Reagan, Mundell as well, and they must be thinking, why the fucking hell am I in the bench here? It, it, it defies belief sometimes that, you know, we see flashes of brilliance from Abdullah Bar, but generally speaking, he is desperately inconsistent. He shows flashes of brilliance, like I say, but not anywhere near enough to warrant a starting place every time. I'm definitely in the bandwagon to see Ekwa get dropped for a couple of games and let Dan Neal push forward instead. Um, Callum Styles, I thought, was half decent in spells, I guess. I think, again, we seem to play him in about five different positions up until he got substituted. It's a good job he plays all over the pitch because the lad literally got put everywhere. Yeah, I thought he was poor personally, but again, that's just because he came in... Poor side, really. Um, so again, just write it off and give him another chance next week. What about Ekwa? Well, like, does anybody have any opinions on Ekwa? I'll buy on my own here thinking, like, he does my head in every single week. He's done it for about six months, and we'll all be thinking the same because I know there's a lot of Sunderland fans out there who the first most frustrating thing is you can see there is a player there, like, you can see there's just something in him that you like, you want to just burst out of him, and like, you see flashes of it every like. Every now and again, like a playoff semi-final Equa where he morphed into like Claude Matt yeah, yeah, two games. He was absolutely unbelievable, wasn't he? So you know mm. you know that's there. But it's just I don't think sometimes I think sometimes he doesn't know how how good he can be. Sometimes I think he maybe needs that. He just needs like a like a rocket up his ass, basically. Someone to just remind he, him what he's there to do. Well, I mean they were all abysmal in the first half, but but I honestly thought Edward in that second half. That's the sort of Edward I want to see every single yeah, week. I, I, I agree. Thought he actually. chased everything. I thought he fought for everything. Like it, it, it felt to me like he'd, the penny had dropped a little bit, and he and he realizes that he obviously they're all young players, but in terms of that team, in terms of that squad, he's a senior player in that in that team and in that squad. And I, I, I do actually think in that second half, he took a bit of responsibility. There was a bit more urgency about him, and I, I'm, I'm hoping the penny's dropped finally. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, standard Joe the main. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Mark. Actually, I thought the second half we we sort of seen a little bit more of what we've been crying out for for the last three, four months. But for me, the frustration comes from why haven't we seen more of that? Why? Yeah. Why does it take us to be two 0 down in a game that's effectively dead? Because the thing is, like we did, we did improve second half. But I just thought that again is just because Swansea, Swansea, we happen to just see the game out, like. Yeah. At yeah. no point, if I was a Swansea fan, would I even when it was two one, I wouldn't have been that nervous watching us come forward. And to be fair, when we did make it two one, Swansea then started to have chances of their own again. So it's like they kind of stepped up again. I thought Dan Neil was uncharacteristically shit. To be honest with you, he gave the ball away so many times. He, he was possibly the worst. Whereas I think it was the week before against Birmingham, we were screaming, saying, "Why are you taking Dan Neil off?" Uh, I think he looks tired. To be honest, I think he looks he tired. Probably, like he probably but- is. To be like fair, the, like the persistent it, it, with this midfield of Equa, Bellingham and Neil, when it's it's obvious to anybody that it needs to be switched up a little bit, just get a sheesh in there. Like, yeah, let let Mundell get a people a little bit as well. And even Chris Rigg, I thought he, he looked a bit brighter when he came on. I mean, he's not he's not a typical wide right player, but that's where he played. And I still thought he looked like worth his shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the thing is, the, the players you mentioned there, they're all attacking midfield players. Like you see, Alshis is a number 10. Rig is being predominantly played as a number 10. We haven't got anybody to sit in for Dan Neal, Job, uh, Ekwe for five, ten games while they get their legs like rested up. It, we just haven't got that player there. I know Corey Evans is back on the grass, but he's, even he's not the same player and you can only take one of them out at a time, so you're still leaving two-thirds of that midfield tight. 
what's uh, what's pissing me off most of all about like our like team selection or our subs at the minute is we're always complaining saying oh we don't get enough from the strikers. Would it kill to put two strikers on the pitch at once? Like it annoys me how you know it might be rude and not doing it in a game. Or we'll take him off, put him here on. But then Himea is just going to suffer from the same lack of service that Roosan is. Maybe leave two of them on the pitch at the same time, just for like 10, 15 minutes, just see how it goes. That, to me, is glaringly obvious at the minute. And it's the one thing that we're not doing. And it's been the case for about five or six weeks now. Like, we're crying out for two strikes to be on the pitch at the same time. Uh, well, I, I thought that was Saturday, to be honest. But then, obviously, you see Roosan and Bar the starting, like, on the wings. And it was almost like Joe was a, was a false nine, wasn't it? But um, mm-hmm. he looked bright when he came on. He held the ball up a little bit, and I, I mean, I'm clutching straws. Joe, I, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't amazing, but like he, he looked a bit sharper when he came on, and it looked like he wanted to get into the game. Uh, it was refreshing. To, it was refreshing to see a striker hold the ball up. To be honest, because no, obviously that that that's not Royson's game. That's fair enough. Um, Mason Burstow, I, I presume, was signed to hold the ball up, but seems incapable of doing that. Um, obviously, again, he's a kid, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, him here. To me, it probably looked like he looks like the most typical type of striker that we need, i.e., someone to hold the ball up, catch the ball on his chest, header it on, etc. He, he looks like the type of striker we need, but is he ready? Yes, I have no idea. Who did we who did we play at home in pre season? Was it like Gattafi or someone or Mallorca? Played like some so, Spanish yeah, yeah. team, yeah, yeah, in pre season. And that game, I remember coming away from that game thinking, like, he looks class, like, he looks like. Obviously, I'm not going to say he's Ross Stewart level, but he was doing all the things that you would like Ross Stewart did, i.e. holding the ball up, running at channels, things like that. And I thought he looked a real handful. Yeah, I think he got a little bit of a shock when he got thrown in as a starter um, against Ipswich because obviously Ross Stewart was injured, etc. So he, in that debut against Ipswich, he looked like a puppy. Like he, 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 yeah. The occasion got the better of him, I think. He didn't really know where to put himself or what to do. So he looked desperately poor, and obviously we haven't really seen him since. But is that not a case of, and I know like other people have pointed this out, but like Mowbray like went to town on, like really absolutely like hung him out to dry for everybody. So is it a case of his confidence is being knocked under Mowbray? So that's why we haven't seen him for five months, four months of the season. Um, But like you say, you've got to give the kid a chance. He's obviously got goals in him and more than we've seen from the other two. He's still a young kid in a foreign country to him. You know what I mean? Like it's a big, big change for these young lads that we keep putting onto the pitch and expecting them to deliver week in, week out. Like right. we, like we've got obviously got to be patient with them. Mowbray won't have helped them at all, and I, I just like you see, I think he's been hung out dry, but I think he might come good for us. Like, so you know, we've analysed the game against Swansea. I was played Luke 9 scored for once. I, I had a little bet yesterday and I had Luke 9 to score any time. I don't know why I, why I put that on, but I did. So I think a pound returned about nine quid or something. So I was quite pleased Luke 9 managed to score. Um, we all know second half they were slightly better, but that's only because Swansea were happy to sit back and let us play a little bit. Um, see where we are next week, I suppose. Um, are you fellas happy to take some questions from people who've written in? So the first one comes from John Ridley at Ridders86 on Twitter. Does the performance highlight how the recruitment is not as good as we thought? Yeah, I've said for the last couple of weeks, like I think the last two transfer windows, you look at who we've brought in. And again, I know they've they've been open and said, oh, they're all for the future. But like, it's like they haven't took care of the here and now. Um, And like you say, these lads might come good in two or three years, but 
as much as we praise them for bringing in the likes of Paddy Roberts, Jack Clark, Ross Stewart and all that, who can you honestly say has been a massive, massive plus to that team in the last like two transfer windows? So I think we have massively regressed like, and they've lost a bit of credibility because of that. I think the thought that we're a lot further ahead than what they were. So like you see, they had, obviously we've had Dan Ballard, Jack Clark, who've been firing all cinders this season. Um, Dan Nails obviously paved over a lot of cracks where they've not had to spend any money. But like you say, now that we've had to rely on the likes of Barr, who hasn't done anything, um, Sailed has looked good in spells, but he's not still not quite there. But like you say, I think the majority of those signings are probably two or three years away, like you say. I mean, you know, we've, I think as a club, we've tried it both ways now. We've tried pissing money up the wall on experience, et cetera, under Ellis Short. We've also tried the last, I mean, it's very early days to the model, I will say that. However, we've also tried bringing in lots of young lads and turning over a profit and then reinvesting the money, et cetera. At the moment, that isn't working particularly well either, though, again, it's slightly too early to judge for me. Yeah, we haven't it, it would just be, it would just be nice to have a bit of a blend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just get some experience legs out there. You've got all nine at the back, fair enough, but, experience defensive midfielder is what we're desperate for we all know that just just to give the like yesterday was per, again I hate to say Alex Pritchard but that game yesterday was crying out for just somebody with a bit of nous like Pritchard mm-hmm. yeah like um, I think we've all said in previous uh, episodes like I think we're all for the model and it is far too early to say because people people have turned around now and going oh where's the Ross Stewart money but like that was only ten million, which we haven't received the the full, um, you know, full bulk of yet. I hope it's not um, on appearances. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we obviously we spent that on some of our business in the summer. I think this this window, if we sell Jack Clark and if Ballard goes and whoever else, that'll be the first time really we're getting big investment as to what the yeah. model is is there to do. So we'll see how that's reinvested, and that'll be the most telling kind of. Um, sort of idea of where we're at. Um, so I all for the model, but like Dan says, it needs to be in moderation. Like that can be the general outlook, but you also need to use a bit of common sense and maybe go, not go against it, but just try and tweak it when it's necessary. So in this case, I we're crying so, out for a bit of experience, a physical midfielder. Let's just go. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a difficult one to answer. I think it's um, I, I think we've been. A little bit unlucky with the injuries this season because I think if we'd had certain fit all season, I think yeah. our defensive threat would be a lot better, and I think that would that would enable our attacking players a little bit more. Um, obviously we've we've all mentioned that we we support what they're doing, but I, I do think they just need that little bit of flexibility. Like they're trying to be too clever. I think looking at the like the foreign markets when just go and get it. Like look at the top five strikers in League One. Just go and sign one of them in January. Just just splash out and get 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 us some goals in the team. Yeah. I say that I just think it's the too rigid with it, and 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 that's that's a concerning thing for us. But but overall, I think the I think since Speakman's been there, I think recruitment's been really good. Um, the last two have been mixed. Um, but but obviously, if we move Clark on, if we move Ballard on, and make a hell of a lot of money, then you know that that's success in in overall, isn't it? But for yeah. Sunderland, in relative terms, that you've got to quantify that as success, haven't you? I like to see it all depends on the size of the fees you get. But let's say you come out with that with 40, 45 million from those two players alone. I think, yes, it is. It's great success it's for the model. And I mean, it shows what the, the, the whole project's about. My only worry is, though, 
like with that, I mean, every club suffers from it when they get a big fee. If we get, say, 45, 50 million for those two, everyone's going to know we've got 50 million. You know what I mean? So there's then there's that element that we've got to, we've got to try and overcome. I also think there's a Sunderland's gathering a bit of a reputation as being tight as a crab's arse now. Like, uh, I don't think all of our fees now seem to be undisclosed. And and yeah. also, we seemingly, we don't spend much at all ever. Um, I'm just going to go back to John's question about the performance highlight and recruitment not being as good as we thought. I've got a list of players here from our last three transfer windows. I'm going to read them out here and I just want to tell me you to tell me your immediate reflections from them. So, Styles, Mundell, Hjelda, Burstow, Ashish, Pembele, Royton, Bishop, Mayende, Dak, Sealed, Hemiya, Job, Triantus, Geldhart, Anderson, Equa, and Lahadji. I mean, realistically, well, out of all of those names, it's only really Equa who's even shown his talent. I mean, forget about the four that we signed in January because they haven't had enough time here. But from the summer, none of them have really made that big of an impact. Um, Lahadji didn't kick a ball for the club, I don't. Well, maybe like 5, 10, 15 minutes or something. Um, obviously, Gellar went back to Leeds. So, yeah, there's not a lot of players there who've really been able to put their stamp and get inside the team. Yeah, where like what I think's weird is I remember I remember when we signed Lahadji. That was January last year. Yeah, and I looked at that and thought, oh well, obviously we're not going to have Diallo beyond the end of last season. So I just thought he'll get brought in gradually, he'll get phased in gradually, and he will look to be the Diallo replacement. And like we just didn't. It's like we didn't even try and utilize him. We didn't try and really give him a run. And I think that's what a lot of them like. I get that for the future. But like I thought the crack was bring a player in, build them up, sell them on for a profit, six months or so before you do, buy someone else, build the um like phase build them, them in, build them up, and yeah. then you've got a natural replacement. That I mean, I know it's never it's not always gonna work as straightforwardly as that. But like that to me was what the model was gonna like live and die by. And it's we haven't seen that side of it work too well, I don't think, because I think ah. the players that we've brought in have all been noticeably weaker than the ones we've let go, and that's the problem. I, I think oh. as well, like like you say, the oh. the the Jack Clarks and like I say, Paddy Roberts up under this season have all been resounding successes. So even their successors haven't been able to get into the team to show what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're not going to get another Jack Clark, and when you know what I mean, we're not going to get yeah. that one again. But I, there needs to be, there still needs to be like signs of progression, which I don't think we've seen enough of personally. Just to look at it from another point of view, though, I think obviously the the last few transfer windows look bad, but I think that's because we've had such success in the ones before that. Yeah. So like signing Cirk and signing Clark, signing Paddy Roberts, all, all these players, like they've been they've been unbelievably good, and and it's getting more difficult now as we get to the, towards the top end of the championship because we're, we're battling with other clubs at the top end of the championship. We're paying more wages. We're battling with. Uh, Premier League clubs sort of in the, the lower end of the Premier League so it, it's getting a lot more difficult now like the established players came to us in League One you know it was probably a bit easier to get them obviously Sunderland was a monster club in, in League One so I, I just think it's getting more, more and more difficult now that, um, and I think that'll be the case as, as we climb the league a little bit more every transfer window is going to be, get, get a little bit more difficult unless we're willing to spend a lot of money mm. and I think that that'll be the telling time when, like you say, we get this window where we're looking at the first real time where we're getting big, big fees for players. 
we'll we'll see whether the club are willing to do that. So I'm not one of these people who are like throwing the toys out the pram and saying like the model's a disgrace, get rid of it. I just think we need to look at it logically, and we we need to, as you say, be a little bit more flexible when it warrants it. I'm going to move on to another question we've got from at Ross Robson on Twitter. Um, Ross asks, is the season now in danger of just drifting away after that result? And I'll start by answering that one if you don't mind. I think it's tempting to think that way, especially after a result where you're down, especially after three defeats on the trot and were kind of semi-managerless and the squad looked the squad looked like a lower championship side yesterday without Ballard and Clark, but we are still only four points outside the playoffs and there's a lot of games to play and anything can happen. It's tempting to write it off, but I, I don't think you can just yet. But it is in danger of drifting away, definitely. I think just going up last season, when you think about it, there was there was points in time where we were like, oh, look, the playoffs, they're gone. That's it. We're not, we're not hitting them anymore. And then I think it was the last eight or so games, we came right bang into form. And I know it took the last day of the season and Millwall that absolutely bottled it, but we still got in then. Mm-hmm. But there was it, it, it's it's very similar to last season in the sense that we we kind of just hanging about there. So there's every chance that we could sneak in. Personally I don't think we will but I mean I tell a I tell a lie, sorry, I've I've quoted that we're only four points outside we're not but Seven um, minutes. But, uh, we're eight points outside now. Hull are in sixth on fifty five points. So I've only just looked at the table there that Go back home back to Ross's question. That does uh, look, look like it could drift away. That that's it. Twelve games left to play. Uh, I think oh, it's thirty six points there. Yeah, thirty six points easily. There's always a team that flies in, and it was us last season. Whether it'll be us again this season, I don't know. But there's always a team that flies in and like finishes six on the final day. Like there's no reason why it couldn't be us. But I think what's different to last season is even though we didn't, not many people did expect us to get in. We were playing good football. And that's the yeah. difference. Like we don't yeah. have, there's no momentum this season, and it just feels like we're like we're. It's as if the players know it's fizzling out. There's no like hunger or desire from the players, and that's the big difference, I think. But I'll not say it's over. Till it's over personally. Like, no, I think you're dreaming, me. I've <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> dreaming. Here's the reality check for you. <laughs> I've got you went between me. Fuck the rest of you. I'm going. To We've got absolutely end. fucking no chance of getting to the playoffs. <laughs> I think. I think when this season next- now. This season now with Dodds, right, is about getting as many points as we can, driving yeah. Clarkie's fee up as much as we possibly can, Ballard's fee, all of these players that, we, that we're probably going to lose in the summer, get them performance as well as we can, get some more zeros on the end of the price tag, and then it, everything will then be just geared up for next season because it's an absolute write-off now. And I'm not I'm not oh, saying it's been an, an absolute disaster because obviously if you, if you watch Sunday Until I Die, we've come, we've come a hell of a long way in a couple of years and that's, that's yeah. the bigger picture that everyone needs to remember. But this season, forget about the playoffs, pal. I'm not letting you come to Wembley. If you try and get a Wembley ticket, I'm <laughs> going to physically stop you. I'll be driving. I'll not let you in the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, on other news, in other news, sorry, uh, Alex Neil has made himself. Nope. I'm going to stop he, you there. No, nope. no. Nope. He is nope. open to a return to Sunderland. And I'd like to caveat that by saying <laughs> I am open to spending a night with uh, Margot Robbie. I honestly can't believe that he has the audacity after he walked out before, like literally an hour or something before we kicked off to go to Stoke. Yeah. I, I, I just honestly, I don't get the gall of that man 
to criticise the model. And then he went to the went to Stoke and he bigged up the owners. Yeah, we've got a plan. We're going to do it this way. We're going to climb up the league and blah blah. Where did he leave Stoke? 18th, 19th. Somewhere. He must have, he must have got sacked off Stoke and sat and had a few whiskeys and watched something until I die and thought, ah, oh, fucking go again, man. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get us wrong, he was absolutely the right appointment for the time when yes. we were in League One and he proved that, you know, he had everything that we needed at that time. But no thanks, you fucked yeah. us over. See you later. Watching something like die, Good. like even my dad said at the end, he was like, ah, he wasn't too bad, Alex Neely, was he? But it's not a, it's never been a question of we all do love what he did when he was here we're all grateful for that but I think the way he left and like you say Lee, just the fact that he let he walked out on us the day before a game and was watching another team play as we were playing that is unforgivable and even from like a logistics point of view he left because he didn't like the model and he's openly criticised it since he's now willing to come back and work under it even though nothing's changed in the way we operate the only thing is he's out of work and he's desperate yeah. that's all it is yeah. and we should learn he needs to now rebuild his reputation Mm-hmm. Learn our lesson from Bale. Do not go for a cheap, desperate, out-of-work manager. Do you know what, though? I, I honestly think there's some reporters who are just dedicated to winding Sunderland's fan base up. That's, it. That's all this is. Alex Neil back at Sunderland after the way he left. Like, we hate him. Like, I, like but clearly reporters know know how we go on. We, you know if yeah. Sunderland just press, the, they'll just press a button and their whole fan base will be up in arms and they'll sell, they'll sell papers or they'll get clicks on the, on the articles or whatever they want. Yeah. It's just absolute it's, nonsense, man. It's only that reluctant Nico Innes, him from the sun. Do you know what I mean? So like, that's you trust somebody from the sun. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> Let's just say Alex Neil did get the Sunderland job again. Do you think there's something to be said for the rapport he already has with these players, the football he did have them playing, albeit in League One? Um, do, do you think there's a little bit of a last dance element available? I don't know. No, no, sure no, Half of those players who, who play from aren't even here anymore. Aye. And the ones who still are, obviously, Clark's are banking to leave anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I And again, I think a lot of the players would be a bit like, like us as fans are like, well, no, fuck them. I think a lot of players must feel like that, to be honest, you know. Surely, surely. You know, you look at our managers, we went, Johnson, all PE teacher, goals, XG, all this bullshit. Then we went to Alex Neil, a bit of no-nonsense. Then we went to Tony Mowbray, a little bit of no-nonsense, knows the game. Went to... Loves chocolate. Went, loves chocolate. Went to Michael Bale, XG, PE teacher, slimy shite, absolutely awful. It, it, is there something to be said for just having a manager who knows the championship, who knows his football, and just let him go with this group of players? The model is not going to do that. You know, in the summer, we're going to come out with some foreign coach who they've been tracking for ages, like this Farioli that they did last summer, then they replaced Tony Mowbray with. Uh, Will Still's name will be banded about again. There's going to be a whole host of people that have never touched a championship because that is not the way the model works because they're even building coaches up. Did you see uh, Will still flirting with us the other week where he was saying, uh, obviously, the Premier League is a dream, but he said, like, a big championship club with ambition. I would love that as well. Well, he's setting his stall out, isn't he? I think it, it's obvious to every man and his dog that um, Will still, it, 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 there's every chance he could be made Sunderland manager, Sunderland head coach in the summer. Um, the only reason he wasn't was because his fee was too high. It still will be two to three million if you listen to reports, even in the summer, but considerably better than what it would have been to sort of buy him out uh, before January time. 
the bad stuff might might um might have changed them a little bit, you know. They've had the fingers burnt massively there with this head coach model that he's all right, he can put put some cones out and give you give you a bibs, but he clearly can't man manage people, can he? So I mean, if, if it's me, I'll I'll just be knocking on Steve Cooper's door every single day from now until the summer. I, I think Steve Cooper is an absolute perfect appointment for us. I think the only thing, like, don't get us wrong, obviously Cooper and I, and I think you said this last week was that he's he's not a, a particular yes man, and I think uh, these the falling out with Mowbray over the model, the falling out with Neil over the model. And I think Coop would go exactly the same direction as that. He might say he's yeah. all in and he's bought into the, the way we want to do things. But I think come a, a transfer window or two and he's asking for that experience strike or that whole midfielder, but we still haven't got it, he'd be out, he'd be gone. This, this is the point. I think we, obviously we're getting a bit of a sticking point now. Have we have we reached the limit of of, of this model in, in its in its like purest form almost, being, being as rigid, rigid as it is? Are the... Clearly, I mean, they're quite a logical club. That's why they sat bail so quickly. But um, they've got to look at trying to make a few tweaks here and there. And and and, and is this going to be the wake up call that they need? You know, to, to appoint a, someone, someone more of a manager, and then and sort of be a little bit more flexible in the market, especially if they get you know forty five million for Ballard and Clark in the in the summer. You know, it might change. It might change things a little bit. It, yeah. it may, but I think Will still appeals on a lot of markets where Bale was very much on the on the downtrend coming off the bat for Rangers where everybody hated him for the way he left. Obviously, the job he did at Rangers, he, he was very much in a in a whirlpool and he was sinking quickly. Whereas Will still is this hot thing on the market. He's taken, I think, is it Stad Rems? Something like that, Stad Rems, however you pronounce it. And he's got them sitting in the top half of the French League for a relatively small French club. You know, so he's he's very much a, a very hot prospect right now. So I think the club would be very keen to get him in. But do you like his conduct in what he's doing? Because I don't. If he's mm. the manager and I agree. the money the Premier League comes from and, and he's he's giving interviews left, right and centre saying I would like to manage this and he'd like to manage there and all this nonsense. I, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not dead against it, but his conduct for me is, is a little bit... There's a little bit concerned. It's, it's all right. It's something that we're talking about, eh? Do you know what I mean? It's not the <laughs> But it's if we put like, the shoes on the other foot, do you know what I mean? And then it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a different story, isn't it? I think it depends how he's doing because he either comes in and he does really well, in which case he's going to get outed by the like bigger Premier League clubs anyway, or he comes in and he's, he's shit. And if he does then decide to go, we're like, all right, see you later then. Do you know what I mean? But I just think what he'll do, I think like just the fact that, as like Lee says, he's such like a hot commodity. I think it'll just give everyone a bit of a shot in the arm. And it'll be kind of like when we all sacked Mowbray and thought we we're going to get one of these trendy up-and-coming coaches in. It was like, it just keeps the momentum going and it makes you think like, hang on, someone have a bit of a plan here. So if they did invest it in someone like you and up-and-coming, like that, I'd be all for that, me. You know, Tony Mowbray's the one. We all said in our WhatsApp group, we were like, oh, fucking hell, Tony Mowbray, God, it can't possibly be him. And he's turned, I've enjoyed his football the most since Roy Keane probably so yeah. you know th there's something to be said there for an experienced head certainly but ultimately you don't know a manager until he comes in because we all thought Tony Moore was going to play this ball and football etc until the Blackburn fans got on us on Twitter and said no actually he plays like some really really good stuff just give him time we well, might actually become a bit of a Blackburn you know because obviously they like Tony Mowbray kind of got there to the level they're at now and then when he left, they just couldn't. They couldn't progress, could they? Like, obviously, they got Yondal Thomason in, 
and like mm-hmm. look what he's done. He's 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 left them now. Um, to, to be fair, they did lose that um, Brandon Diaz, so mm-hmm. they did lose a lot of goals in him. Um, I know we pretty much up the same creek with losing Ross Stewart, but I don't know. Like you see, I think a lot of a lot of what we've discussed there, like are they going to be flexible with the project and which quarter they're going to go after, depends on how the rest of the season pans out. Because if if Dodge loses, I don't know, let's say the next five games and the fans get a bit nasty, as we do, I think that might up everything and then they might have to say, right, we are going to have to fork out for some for a, a top-class coach. Like you say, they might have to go, be forced into Cuba. There's major pressure on this next appointment. I think this is the most critical appointment Dreyfus has certainly had. It's Because the, the ball's the last one at Obeil. This is a there's there's massive pressure on like this this summer. The really really is because next season's going to be made or break in many ways. I think. Like I think if we miss out in the playoffs this season, which is very very likely, I think a lot of fans will just sort of shrug their shoulders and go, "Ah, eh, look where we were. We'll take that." Despite what Speakman said about trying to do better in the playoffs, yeah. blah blah blah. But next season, I think fans will start certainly start to go, "Fucking hell, come on, we need to be looking." Maybe we're in, sitting in 10th place at the minute. Let's say we finish there, just outside the playoffs, whatever. We need to be doing better than that. And your managerial appointments, the sign and speak makes, then they need to be showing progress and we need, we need to be clambering up the table a bit because if we don't, then you can see Sunderland are starting to stagnate. Like Blackburn, yeah. you'd mentioned, Anthony, you know, that sort of thing will happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we've all said, like, we are victims in a way of our own success last season. Like, the 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 kind of idea was when we came up, you know, like be a, be challenging for the Premier League in five years, which was obviously we three years really of, of just doing what we're doing now. So that's why I think people need to be mindful of that when they're saying like, oh, it's all failing. It's like, well, it's not. Like, this is where we expected to be. We just had a better than we expected season last season. If it gets to say the end of next season and we're, we're like say, we're not in the playoffs or we're not pushing for promotion in any way, you would look at it and say, Right, well, hang on. Even if we didn't have that really good first championship season, this is still like year three of your five-year plan and we're no further forward. So, like, you just need to fucking step it up, really, lads. Yeah, I think it's made a break next season. I really do. It's a, it's a yeah, massive season for the club, uh, for Dreyfus especially. I, I would say more for Speakman than Dreyfus because, like you see, Dreyfus is probably not going anywhere anytime soon. However, Speakman is one of these cogs that's just easily replaced. But like I say, Dreyfus is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I would be very, very surprised if in a year or two years' time we're sat here and we've got a new owner. Yeah. On that note, I would just like to, you know, I would like to point out something funny that I've seen on Twitter about uh, PLD. Um, you may have seen it. It was a guy, somebody took a photo of a guy's phone where he was writing to Facebook say this at the match yesterday. <laughs> I'll read it out to you because it, it, it's hilariously ridiculous. <clears throat> Get these money-grabbing French cunts out of SAFC. Folks forget our oldest enemy are these same French cunts who invaded our island in 1066. They surrendered to Hitler's Nazis in 1939 and formed an alliance with him, which resulted in thousands of British forces losing their lives to a nation of cowards. Listen, um, what my dad texts at the match is none of your business. <laughs> I mean, we talk about overreactions a bit. Like, I understand <laughs> Dreyfus is due some criticism because he's made some poor decisions, particularly in the past year. Um, but I, I think to sort of call him a money-grabbing French cunt, is that that's heavy, like, that's heavy. I mean, it's not like he's taking money out of the club, really, is it? I, you know what I mean? He's he's a billionaire. He doesn't need the petty money that's going to offer him. Again, yeah. that's it. That's it again. Go watch the lad die. 
just just go and watch that for the first and second season of that of that program, and then it'll put everything into perspective. It, it's an eye opener, like if if being, nothing else. Being devil's advocate here again, right? How long do we go where we we use that as the benchmark, though? Because I feel like that does get that does kind of quell a lot of the stick that Dreyfus should maybe be getting at times because they'll always say, oh, well, it could be worse, you know, Donald and Methman. How long before we, like, we stop using that as the benchmark, though? Oh, it's next season for me, Ab. Yeah, obviously yeah. We had a good one, our first one up, and then this one, we, we've gone back a little bit, I think. So ne- next season, we've got to see progress. It, it's, it really is a big season, uh, next season. Like you see, man, I mean, obviously the league's harder as well, so you probably are going to get a bit of a buy this season. Yeah. Um I think we finished on 69 points last season. And four of the teams that are already in and around the playoffs have got that. Sorry, three of them. One's two points short. But like you see, it's just such... Like the three teams that came down, they're probably going to go straight back up. Yeah, it's unfair. And, and you know what it is? Like even going down again, like it'll be Leicester... Not Leicester, sorry. It'll be Burnley, Burnley Sheffield, Sheffield United and Luton. I think those sales come straight back down. So I think they'll just be in a position where, because they'll obviously know the league as well. I think those will just be as, not as strong as maybe Leicester and Leeds and Southampton, but they'll, they'll be like strong to the point where you're thinking like, fuck, can we really compete with these? There's a lot to be said for parachute payments and stuff, isn't there? And making that money work. Um, look, have you, have you anything else to add, fellas, before we sort of wrap up um, other than... So we we will leave this podcast again feeling a little bit despondent and tempted to write the season off and just say right let's get as many points as we can etc and just start again afresh after the summer decent recruitment decent manager in charge and you know start all over again really. Well, I don't think the playoffs are out the question, right? I know that oh, might sound like clutching <laughs> at straws, but I'm very much uh, look. There's points to learn to play for. Why can't we go and get them? Because the thing is, we want the players to think like that, don't we? If a player come out and said, oh, aye, we're not going to qualify the players, you'd be like, well, what the fuck? So, aye, we need it. If we want the players to be optimistic, I think we have to try and be optimistic as well. They're not listening to this, aren't they? Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if they are, can we just say, Luke O'Neill, where you think you're lovely? <laughs> but no, look, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, do sort of follow us on Twitter at uh, Sensible SAFC. We're over on Facebook as well. Do chuck us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. Uh, if you think we talk shite and you don't want to listen to us again, just don't leave a review. That would be great. Thanks. Um, Still so, five stars, though. Yeah, you can throw us five stars. Uh, <laughs> Lee Lee will pay you that himself, actually. He'll <laughs> pay you the fee to do so. Sorry. Um yeah, it's sort of, you know, thank you for writing in with your questions and thank you for giving us your ears. We do appreciate it. Just trying to get this newest Sunland podcast off the ground. And to be honest, the support so far has been brilliant. So thank you to sort of, well, to everybody who's given us a retweet and a like, etc. It means a lot to us. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll be back sort of next week for something maybe around Sunland till I die, a match preview. Something, we'll think of something, we'll get our heads together and we we'll look forward to speaking to you then. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye now. Oh man, there he is. What's Mark going to see? What's the sign going to be? 10-4, 10-4. I see Charlie on my 60 over. <laughs>